Welcome everyone to episode 10 of Chewing the Fat with Melf and Grimmy. Bear in mind, this is about my fifth take of this intro because it's been a whole two weeks, Mike. Welcome to Chewing the Fat with Melf and Grimmy. Two PTs talking about life inside and outside of the fitness industry. So I want you today just to tell everyone what is the topic of our 10th podcast. I think it's fantastic oh. that we've actually come this far. Well, I think this one's really topical, actually, because, I mean, if you listen to it when it goes out, you, you know that recently gyms weren't given the green light to open on the 4th of July um, during, obviously, COVID-19. If you live, listen to it a year down the line, this is that weird period where gyms are still shut. But everything else is essentially open. So it was a very topical conversation of the future of fitness and gyms, Mike. Well, we're both PTs, but also you've got a, a fitness center to run, whereas I'm just working out of a gym. So I guess for us, it's, the future is, is almost very different. As we mentioned in a podcast already, you've managed to uh, adapt your, your gym to, to outside service at the moment. And I think it's going down um, fantastically with the members. Yeah, it's going down an absolute treat, mate. But to be honest, like, obviously we have to follow government guidelines of only having a certain number of people per session, everyone two metres apart, and plenty of disinfectant and anti-back available as well. But how do you see, Mike, bigger gyms coping with reopening in the future? It's going to be a challenge. I think, first of all, most gyms, like commercial gyms, are going to probably be oversubscribed in the mm -hmm. fact that if there's going to be a limitation on people in the gym say at a time compared to how many members there are on the list i mean if you only got to look at typical nights like monday night which is normally chest off, pump. <laughs> yeah so if you're limited by numbers on that it's going to be very challenging i mean and also you've got the the cleaning side of things and also the policing of it wiping your machines after you use it mm. so it's going to be a very big challenge but I'm yeah. I'll be very interested to see through my personal gym what they say. Especially the budget gyms will probably be hit the hardest because a budget gym essentially serves a cheap membership and the business model is to pack as many members within that gym as possible, you know, with a certain percentage of members not even using the gym because the gym membership is, you know, relatively quite affordable. So they rely on people not using the gym. However, like you mentioned, you can have this problem where there's only going to be a certain number of people actually allowed in the building at one time. So budget gyms are going to find it really, really hard to get everyone through. So they're either going to lose members through this process or they're going to have to increase membership prices. In the gym that I currently work at, the majority of the machines in the, perhaps the main cardio room around the outside are generally all generally spaced around at least two meters apart and that's generally fine but if you look at say the treadmills it's going to be a, a bit different i saw a picture of one in hong kong a uh, commercial gym whereby they had individual sort of perspex sort of glass in between treadmills so it's almost like you're running your own cubicle and i think that's mm. perhaps one approach some gyms may take there without having to perhaps take out yeah, and even like think of even the physical act of even like booking a session. I mean, our guys at, at my gym, they're quite used to booking in via an app. 
to attend essentially what is a small group PT session. But if you use a commercial gym where you're used to rocking up at any time and getting a workout in, that's going to change. Yeah, and I guess certain people or members don't particularly have access to smartphones or we're on the assumption that everyone knows how to use an app or book in via mm-hmm. the internet. And it's sometimes some people like the old school way of just having that flexibility of turning up with a membership card and swiping themselves in and Ooh, off you go really. So I like that. Old school. I like that little swipe. The old 50p in the lockers. <laughs> it's like leisure center <laughs> days, isn't it? Oh, mate, oh, I, I, I remember when it went up to a pound. Like back in your day, it might have been 50p, but it might have been. I was like, even though I get that pound back, it's to the principal, you're charging me a pound to use a locker, even though I get that pound back. <laughs> <laughs> also, Mike, so, uh, going on subject as well, mm. I, I personally think, now you can agree or disagree with me on this, because I spoke to a couple, a couple people about this. Now, I personally think fitness will boom when this is all over. I personally believe fitness is probably going to have like a bigger than a January rush when we get the go ahead to open gyms and fitness goes back out there as it were. What are your thoughts on that? You know what? I think it already has. You've only got to look at say bike manufacturers and myself, I'm trying to get a new bike and either the prices have been inflated massively or a lot of sellers are out of stock. The fitness industry is is definitely going to boom itself. And I, I suppose it's, being able to offer us a good quality service but in a safe environment that's going to be the yeah. key and i mean i know you obviously yourself have already taken precautions to offer mm. members an outside service but i know today actually i think boris might have hinted already that you know gyms potentially could open in a few weeks i did see that and um you did see that yeah very yeah. uh current affairs yeah always yeah, and well, BBC yeah. News 24 on all the time just wait, waiting for boris to give the nod <laughs> <laughs> so with that in mind, how have you started to plan for that? Yeah, I mean, essentially, we're, we're making the big plan to go back in the gym and we get the go-ahead. But where you would have to have two meters constantly around you at all times as well, you can take less people per session. There needs to be at least a 10, 15-minute overlay between sessions. So we can't put sessions back-to-back like we used to. Uh, which means we lose sort of a session in the morning, a session in the evening, which, you know, is frustrating when you've got a membership who are gagging to train. So, yeah, it, it's just finding ways around it, not not loopholes, I mean, but just finding ways that you can improve the service constantly and make people feel like they're not getting less. But the fitness industry is expensive now. I, I, like You notice how the fitness equipment went crazy like I had so many people message me. I mean, with our equipment at the gym, right, we literally rented it out to our members um, for a few months so they could do like home workouts. But the amount of messages we got, people would buy like a set of eight kilo dumbbells for a hundred pounds. It was insane. Even now, I still see Facebook marketplace feed of like people like selling two point five kilo pairs of dumbbells for like fifty quid, and it's like it's, it's more than gold. Like, more than gold. <laughs> people are, want to move more and people want to get fitter and stronger mm. and they miss exercising so for me i mean that's a massive positive to take out of this as a nation we want to get fitter and yeah and stronger and more healthier but how would you sort of like you know go through the different sort of options that are out there for sort of our listeners and and everyone else yeah so i actually did this on instagram the other week and a really good response from people you know people disagreeing people disagreeing but nevertheless it opened up conversation which i think is really really important to have um, you know, and if gyms are, as you said, Mike, if they're oversubscribed 
um, going forward, there's not going to be any gym memberships available. So we've got to look at other alternatives um, down the line. Now we're going to start from like a low end cost, as it were. So, you know, if you're in a financial situation at the moment where you've either lost your job or for any other reason you, you don't want to pay for fitness, the first one, Mike, we're going to discuss, we'll do some pros and cons on each of these. So it's like, we're going to call it like YouTube home workouts or mm. Instagram workouts. Now, what's your yeah. opinion of these sort of workouts? Not only is it free, there are some really good quality things out there yeah. in regards to top coaches posting information that they would normally charge for as well. There's one guy who I think back to when I was doing CrossFit and his name was Kelly Starrett. And for one year, he did a, a post every day on that. a different mobility. And for me, that transformed my whole approach to training and my basically reduced my injuries massively because he literally provided like flexibility tips, like a 10 minute video every day for like every possible sort of CrossFit based movement. And at the time for me, that was like gold yeah. dust. This guy is like renowned worldwide as one of the best guys at what he does. So I think for me, that was perfect. So that's a massive positive. If you can find the right people who are great professionals who know what they're talking yeah. about, then you can get some really good stuff at, at no cost. Yeah. I mean, I say if you're willing to find someone credible and do a workout that's going to be effective. Also, Mike, on the flip side of that, is there any cons, do you think, when it comes to like a YouTube or an Instagram workout? There is a, a flip side. A, a dark side <laughs> <laughs> and there's no real massive policing on youtube i could create a username called johnny pt 500 or something great name great handle really catchy names <laughs> is that one of your weird greek mythology names my single name <laughs> johnny pt 500 <laughs> but you can call yourself whatever you want and create these different videos but there's no sort of policing and you can go from not training at all to doing a 30 minute high impact, like high intense session. And you might wake up in the morning with like dodgy knees and then mm. just feeling generally ill. Yeah. I think that's the thing. Like you said, there's no real policing of it. And you know, you're unable to ask them for regressions because it's not essentially like a live video. You're just watching a video. So you can't really ask for any regressions, alternative, correcting any sort of technique on things as well. So I think, it is as good as maybe the person you're watching or what you want to get out of it. I mean, you mentioned before following Kelly Starrett and he is like a guru when it comes to mobility and his stuff is pretty useful. But like you said, there's a lot of charlatans out there that you can pick up some real bad training bits from. But Mike, as overall, out of 10, what, how effective is a YouTube or Instagram workout? Give it a rating. Let's go sort of, say a moderate, sort of like six out of 10. I would, you know, there are some really good stuff out there, but unfortunately there is a, a, a massive amount of really dangerous stuff out there as well. So, yeah, I'm going to go opposite, Mike. I'm going like three out of 10. I'm sorry, mate. Oh, really? Opposite. Oh, that's I, enough, mate. I think personally, like there is some, there is some really good stuff and I've learned a lot from mm. like just following incredible people. But I mm. think nowadays... The shit stuff outweighs the good stuff, unfortunately. So I'm going to stick it down there. It's going to be awkward now, isn't it, for the rest of the podcast? Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. So if we're talking next level up, Mike, one thing beyond a YouTube workout is probably something that, that's 
become probably more relevant in the last three months and that is a zoom group style workout now i've priced this to about three to five pounds per session is an average rate for say a, a group training zoom session i think i remember when the initial lockdown happened for a lot of pts it's like right okay well i've got no physical way of training people mm. and it's that almost panic sets in i think it's been a really good positive for a lot of pts to step outside their comfort zone and to go online and i think after you get off that initial awkwardness of perhaps exercising in front of a phone or a laptop you kind of actually adapt to it and i think a lot of people long term will probably still have this as part of their their services if you're working in the gym and your client is stuck in traffic and can't get to the gym alternatively they could always just go home or log on to zoom and they still can get a moving in they could put up on hard shoulder yeah down the m25 bang out some burpees (laughs) (laughs) burpee over the car no (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I think it's great to offer you know clients something different as well so there's no pressure on them having to write okay, well you're 20 minutes late for the session get changed and by the time they get get ready they've only got like 15 minutes to go so it offers them an alternative it won't be as good as a physical one-to-one but it's still better than, than nothing yeah I agree I think there's there's a lot of, of bonuses with Zoom actually it's kind of saved a lot of personal trainers bacon this last couple of months as well to be able to still physically engage with clients even if it be for for a screen, you say there's a lot of pluses like when it comes to like you know minimal kit, you can do it from home, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but I do think the big thing is the coach can provide feedback as well, which I think is really really important. Like I said, it may not be the level of one to one, but certainly yeah. for the for the the amount it costs, then I think it is a good option. Obviously, on the flip side, there's always a, a few negatives. One being you're reliant on technology. So if your internet goes down or if you've not got great connection or say your battery goes in, in your phone, there's always that annoyance there. But as long as you're perhaps organized before, then you should have things covered. What effective rating would you give Zoom group training, Mike? Probably a seven. As long as you limit your numbers to a certain amount. I mean, one thing I was going to ask you, Matt, is what would you say in regards to numbers on mm. group training yeah, I mean, I think it depends what sort of thing you're teaching. But I think obviously the more people you have in a class, then it is harder to provide feedback. So I think that has to be quite reflective on the price as well. So if you're charging people a good amount of money for a Zoom session, then there needs to be that element of being very like small and very personal, not personalized, but just a little bit more limited with numbers. So you have enough time for everyone on the screen. Um, Sometimes if you do a Zoom for 50 people, it's you know practically impossible to keep your eyes on every single person. You imagine trying to do that in real life, it would be it would be hard. Yeah. And so what score would you give that one, Matt? Do you know what? I'm I'm gonna give it a seven. I think it will serve a purpose. I think initially it will help people get off the starting blocks if they want to take fitness up. But yeah, going on to the next one. It actually leads quite nicely, actually. So we're looking basically for the next step up beyond group Zoom, and that would be group training in like numbers such as six, eight, or or ten people, or even you could even say it could be like a Zumba class, Mike. Could be like a class style format. Um, now I've put yeah. the price of this between five and fifteen pounds per session, depending on mm-hmm. you know, a lot of I know a lot of like Zumba, then big group trainings like more five pounds. I've done 
group training in gyms before and is approximately yeah. 15 pounds an hour. What's your thoughts on group training, Mike? We both have, you know, hosted circuit classes in the past and so always come up buzzing after every session, the amount of energy that, you know, the class brings and, you know, we both met at a CrossFit gym. So for us, that environment massively helped us train and uh, become better athletes. I think for me, group training is definitely up there. I, I never thought I would enjoy it if I'm being honest, but for me, um, it's one thing I do miss massively, but yeah, I've got me. I'm very biased with this. I've literally built my whole career on group training now and it, it by far, I think is one of the best things because the cost versus maybe like one-to-one is a little bit more affordable and you do almost have that, that almost that herd mentality when you're training with other people. You know, if old Sandra does a hundred kilo deadlift is the first one to do it, then everyone starts doing a hundred kilo deadlift. It kind of brings the whole group up a little bit. So I'm a massive fan and I love teaching group training. Like literally we've got back in the gym, not in the gym outdoors this week with small groups of five. And I didn't realize actually how much I missed physical coaching it was like yeah. i left with like adrenaline it was like i finished work at like half seven in the morning we on six till seven i was like off my face off adrenaline for the next couple of hours yeah we are missing that physical contact and just when you see people and they see their faces of how happy they are to get back training yeah it's, it's crazy actually i uh, i did a, a zoom quiz a couple of months ago with my clients and i felt like super emotional at the end of it when everyone had gone, because like just seeing all my clients, it made me realise how much I missed that physical training, that one to one. Yeah. So, how effective would you say group training is, Mike? Oh, it's got to be at least an eight. I'm going to go for eight point seven five. I'm going to go nine. And that, that's what there are. There are some cons to group training as well. Um, yeah. Especially when it's a bit of a numbers game when you you going up mm. to you know thirty people a session. It is. It is quite hard to keep oh. an eye on every, every single person. So you do lose that individualization. Yeah. I know. It's, it's all different. I think it depends on, on what you do, whether, how much equipment you've got. Exercise selection, um, everything. Yeah. And I, I sometimes think as well, group training doesn't suit some people. Some people need the fundamentals taught no. through one-to-one before they enter like a group training format. Cool. And the last and the mecca, the mecca of training. Yes, the Holy Grail. This is what people, you know, aspire to one to one with mm. Matthew Grimshaw. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me, how do I achieve this? <laughs> the guru. No, I don't know. Like Melf, we've been personal training for it seems like forever now. Probably about ten years, maybe. Yeah. And like I said, I've worked with all sorts of clients over the years. I, I probably could work out in my head how many hours of personal training I've done over the years, and. I don't want to say it, but we've both earned our stripes with personal training. So we've got some good experience when it comes to personal training. Now, most of my actual personal training now is actually done online rather than physical one-to-one training. But personal training is really the top service. So you're looking for the most bespoke, effective service possible. Now, Mike, why do some people not get on with personal training? It depends on the connection they have with that individual. So if you look at the, the first part of the title is personal. And I think if you don't connect, you associate perhaps PT with being, say, a negative. Wouldn't you agree? 
yeah, definitely. I think, like I said, that word personal is really important. When you purchase personal training from, from a trainer, everything needs to be totally individualized. It needs to be, your nutrition needs to be individual. Your training needs to be individual. You know, we've probably mentioned on the last podcast, but there are trainers that charge hardly next to nothing, put every single client for the same beast thing every day and maybe give out a generic diet plan and never check in with that client. Is there any cons with personal training as well? Unfortunately, there are. Go on, mate. No. Well, yeah, I know. Again, it comes down to how qualified that individual is. Are they in it just for themselves? Unfortunately, there are some bad eggs out there. For me, there's not enough policing done in the industry. Perhaps trainers who haven't perhaps moved with times, and it, it can be quite dangerous for your clients if you're still training things based on what you believe to be correct so 10 years ago yeah i think there just has to be that constant strive to do things better when you're when you're a pt because I, I believe mike i don't know if this is a made-up stat i'm just going to make up anyway but i think about 70 percent of personal trainers who qualify never get to train their first client or something like that and even from a consumer standpoint as well like the, mm. i suppose the biggest con about pt is about affordability Ultimately, if you do find a good trainer, you're not just paying for that session, you're paying for the training that they do, the reading they do, the check-ins they do, the time they give you, not only in that one session, but outside, and also the amount of time they, they spend to educate themselves, their research, but also just their qualifications too. You know, yeah. I think we both spent time getting different qualifications and reading different research papers. So you're, you're paying for their experience and their expertise. You're not just paying for that one session. And I think it's that sort of thing as well. When I often find as well, when people invest in personal training in the past, maybe six months up front, as it's such a big investment, majority of people more than likely stick to it because the investment is quite big. They're maybe a little more motivated to do it rather than a low end option. But again, that's down to the individual. That's not just generalized for everyone. So effectiveness, Mike, personal training, one to one, what are you saying? Go on. You know you want to give it you know you want to give it the top score, don't you? It's got to be a 10, mate, isn't it? It's got to be a 10 out of 10. Of course it has. Of course it has. To get to where you want to be, to achieve your goals, to have that personalized service. Yeah, and I think as well, if you're looking timescales and effectiveness, you've got to think, if I was to drive, Mike, from here to Scotland, if I was to spend a lot of money and get a Ferrari, I'd probably get there quicker and more efficiently. But if I picked up a battered old... You like this, didn't you, as well? You think this is really... If I was to pick a battered old... Fiesta up for free, it would probably still get me there. It just might take me five times as long and it wouldn't be as comfortable and efficient. Is that good? Well, I, think, I, think, I yeah. think that was quite a good, good comparison. We're not saying everyone should afford a Ferrari. I think the, the point of this podcast really was yeah. just to give people different fitness options. Now, don't get me wrong. Someone can get incredibly in shape and have fun training and doing YouTube workouts. But if people are looking for that extra level of service, maybe when it comes to such thing as nutrition or guidance or just a complete overhaul of everything, there are obviously options, but they come at a cost. Episode 10, we made it to 10 episodes during COVID 19. Crazy, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. And, so gonna... um, and next week, we've got a special guest, haven't we? Who is it? You haven't told me. <laughs> well, next week, we have a ex England international female rugby player and also an international hockey player as well yeah no mike i really look forward to it and apologies for the listeners who are waiting for our podcast to come out last weekend i'm sure you appreciate it's been a bit of a hectic week for both of us yeah. again thank you to everyone who listens shares 
enjoys our podcast and as always we we always welcome more ideas of what you guys want to hear about mike any words to say just thank you for your patience stay well stay safe what he said 